And we're live. We are live. For the first time. Episode one, Broken Brilliance here with the irreplaceable, the uncontrollable Corey Putney. Alongside the lyrical wordsmith who's nimble as a ninja and strong as a bear. Yeah, I, I somersaulted in the door today. Introducing Matthew Marks. Tis I. You guys can call me Matt. Uh, we just got back from some some Frito pie at the at the local watering hole. Well, I didn't get the Frito pie. Corey did. No man, that thing went hard. So she said there were two types of chili, and was that in the Frito pie or just overall? No, the World Series special dogs. She admitted that came from a can. Yeah, she was like, "That was from a can." Yeah, but so it the, still was. It reminded was me of childhood. Dude. The hot dogs. <laughs> they. It was it was much needed. We were surveying the menu. Was that for, was that your first time there? It was first time at the waterhole. Okay, nice. First time at the waterhole. Um, yeah. So we're here. We're we're chatting. It's Halloween night, twenty twenty three. The world is uh, in an interesting spot right now. Um, I'm gonna kick it off. This has been this has been burning my mind since people started posting Halloween costumes on social media. There's some, and I, you can tell me what you think about this, Corey. There's some characters that should not be turned into sexy halloween costumes oh 100 percent. like there's no reason why 20 year old girls should be dressing up like sexy buzz Lightyear. there's nothing in the canon that would suggest that buzz Lightyear was ever i mean except when he was miss nesbitt and in, in toy story one so that's how deep the programming goes you're right <laughs> <laughs> buzz Lightyear cross dresses once in 1995 and then now Almost thirty years later, we have sexy Buzz Lightyears. I told on. you the Simpsons were telling the future. Yeah, bro, Simpsons, dude. That's because Matt Groening's a Freemason. Hey, they gave him the whole script. But um, no, I've been rewatching South Park a lot lately too, and it's just funny how much in history and like in the world at large things cycle. You know, you're like you're watching something that's from 2001, and it feels more poignant today than it did maybe even back then because you don't have the context of where stuff's at in history, but. I mean, I was watching the two thousand, literally the two thousand one season, which I think is like season eight. And I mean, I can't even imagine like being an adult in that time with the you know, post nine eleven world. But like the things that they're directly addressing in their art, kind of blows your mind. You're just like, wow, you really went there and did a little dance on the flag and and then walk back. And you know, that's just kind of the beauty of being able to be you know satirical and and not take yourself too seriously. Is like you're able to everything is tongue in cheek. Everything is like right you know dancing around the point but also making something you know making a serious statement about it so it's it's fascinating but yeah and and, and no hate if you dressed up like sexy buzz lightyear no absolutely not look if if i'm calling it sexy buzz lightyear it's because you look good doing it it just challenged a lot of feelings in me that that i have a lot of trust and safety surrounding the buzz lightyear character so <laughs> for it to also stoke up feelings of you know primal attraction was a little bit conflicting dude i, so. def I definitely identified as a woody as a child you identified as a woody yeah <laughs> pull my string <laughs> there's a snake in my boot oh man <laughs> yeah. but you know i think toy story has a, a very very lasting impact on our generation at large that was like pretty it's, i mean especially because the way me. that it it influenced like your ability to accept your imagination as something like not imaginary like it very much like created this 
tangent of like, oh, when nobody else is watching, that thing that you believe to be real is absolutely real and gives credence to that. Even though like Andy never catches them, like they're very good at not getting caught. You know, you ever think about that? What would happen if they got caught? Oh, except that the oh, I take that back because they fuck with Sid at the end. They they the big reveal. Sorry, spoiler alert for all you people that were born in the two thousands that have only seen Toy Story three and beyond. They don't even know. Man, I feel. I feel for them though. You know, like growing yeah. up in our time. I feel for them except for when they're trying to have conversations with me and they don't pull their eyes off of their phone. I'm like, eye contact is still a value in this day and age. It's important. You can tell a lot by what you see in somebody's eyes. Like Corey learned this evening that he has heterochromia. I did, and apparently only 200,000 Americans have this condition with their eyes where the colors kind of radiate out in multiple levels. And mine are like black and yellow and green and hazel. Mine are very basic brown. Well, not basic. They're, I have no, they're brown deep eyes. and beautiful deep and, and buttery. Oh, I'm flattered. Not as flattered as, as I was. So the owner of the bar, he tried to set Corey and I up with his bartenders who he, he identified as, he said, I don't always remember the name, so I just call them, what did he say, some girl? Oh, he said that girl. Oh, that girl. Oh. That, yeah. <laughs> Which honestly is pretty effective, but, and they, they were not, they were not all, all too offended by it, but, uh, you know, hey, whatever works, and he was very nice, he brought us popcorn, they had an old-fashioned popcorn machine. It was. I'm jealous, honestly. I think every, every home needs an old-fashioned popcorn machine. I agree. Microwave popcorn, little, it just doesn't hit the same. A little bit of like that that griddle pop, you know, it's been simmering in the oil for a bit yeah. and it's just it's got a it's got a different flavor to it. He preemptively apologized for a part of the batch potentially being burnt, but we lucked out, you know. So you gotta count your blessings. You know, some days you get the burnt popcorn, other days it's everything comes up aces. I think I only had like maybe one piece and it still wasn't that bad. So, oh, I, dude, I, I was munching out. Man, then we hit those barbecue sandwiches. Dude, he said, he told us, he said, best barbecue sandwiches in Garfield, Texas. It's probably the only barbecue sandwich in Garfield, Texas, but the man didn't lie. Hey, he ain't lying. If you're passing through and you're craving some barbecue, hit it up. High, other, five star review on Google. Five, yeah, five out of five. The other thing too that I noticed is like when you have good, and you talked about this with your cheeseburger preference. When you have a good sandwich, you don't need to over sauce it. And I think one of the great things about this barbecue sandwich was virtually. I, I mean, it wasn't really sauced, was it? No, it was just barbecue. But yeah, some people, a lot of people think when you say barbecue sandwich, you're thinking like drenched in like tangy, like sugary barbecue sauce. But if you have good beef. Good smoked beef on there. You don't need it sauced. Man. It's very simple. Then we get back to farm to table. Oh, yeah, exactly. The importance of it. Yeah, everything's coming from down the road. It's like that's one of the things that's nice in a lot of European towns. And that's why a lot of those people are less sick is because they're still close to the people that are providing the food to their communities. So like farm to table isn't this thing you're paying $50 a plate for. It's just how food gets to your table. Like, I think we kind of have to move back to that a little bit. Simplicity has been a key motivating factor in most successes that I've encountered throughout life. I feel like a lot of people are content with not knowing where things come from. 
I would agree with that. I'm not one of those people. I'm like to a fault. I'm like, where did this, what is the origin of this? What's the history of this? So I do a lot of researching. Yeah, I am intrinsically like Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Somebody looks at me like, what are you doing? Good luck hiding it. Dude. All right. So that, honestly, that's a good segue because I wanted to talk to you. We've had some discussions about this recently. There is a spiritual war going on in yes, society. There is. Like there are a lot of people that are very, very aware that thought control is afoot in every avenue. And there are other people who are really fighting to remain free thinkers. And it's tough when there's a constant barrage on your ability to have informed, confident, like sometimes radical thought because there's such a like I think the problem is that everybody's voice has magnification these days in some capacity. So it's like the group think for idiots has never been louder. You know, like it used to be like an idiot never really had a platform or if they did it was like a lot of people kind of widely accepted it. But like somebody can say something controversial with no substance and a bunch of other morons who there's no barrier of entry to double down on what they say can kind of like dogpile on an idea and then it's halfway around the world and then smart people take a glance at it and sometimes don't have the level of uh, consideration to evaluate it beyond that and it's like these people aren't everybody has the capacity to think critically you know at least I would hope but when you get lazy with your thinking especially with things that are complex in the world and you let other people do all your thinking for you. The problem is that when things are simplified, the aspects of it that are simplified, you don't have the context to understand what nuance is being lost in that simplification. So, like, you can't possibly be informed on an issue. It's like people who are completely avoidant of discourse, and they just want to always get into an argument. Like, earlier, I my first inclination was not to play billiards with Corey, because I knew he was going to whoop my ass. And... <laughs> But he said, he's like, you can't get better if you don't play. And, you know, if I had gaslit him into not letting us play billiards when there was an open table, despite it being tournament night, you know, I wouldn't have the opportunity to get better. But some people would double down so hard on that that they would not get to the billiard state. That boy picked up some trigonometry tonight. Oh, dude, I was hustling him. But not for real. I, like, what is what kind of person do you have to be to, like play a game with somebody and like you get off on the fact that you're not playing as good as you can until a certain point. I mean, I guess to earn money, but like that's kind of a slimy thing to do. Pull yeah. all hustlers. Yeah, dude. It's like, uh, I don't know. I'm originally from Houston, so I'm a lot of pool hall hustlers in Houston might get some kickback from this, but like 2017 Astros and the sign stealing. Oh Yeah. Feels a little bit up that avenue. Yeah, for sure. I was trying to think of other things. I mean, it's like, you know, I used to play a lot of video games with my little brother. And like, either you play the game before them a lot and you, you've you already figured out the controls or whatever. And it's like, you let them get up to speed before you're like, they're like, are you trying? Are you trying right now? And it's like, yeah, that's frustrating. Like the whole point, like good competition is fun because it's like, no, two fully formed individuals are going at it and like nobody's taking it easy. You know, except we talked about this with basketball. You do hit a certain age with basketball where you have to stop playing like you're 12 <laughs> years old anymore because yeah. people get hurt. Dude, recently. We are not, unless you're LeBron, 
you know, who is sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber at, at 38 and is still playing like an animal. Hey, man, I want one. Hey, I'll take a hyperbaric chamber, too. I would probably get much better sleep and wake up feeling very refreshed. Although, I mean, I'm sure you have to get over some claustrophobia initially. Nah, it's not that bad. I mean, if you get a nice one. Yeah, you're probably looking at like 15k for something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's not like you're you're you know, dude. First but round. honestly, if I'm looking at it from like my whole life, life quality, happiness, ability to achieve a state of inner harmonious peace, and like the value that purchasing one of those at a one-time cost of 15 grand adds to your life, I'm all over that deal. Especially when you like look back at a year of expenses and you're like, damn, I spent X on like takeout is a great example. Like a lot of people spend a lot of money on food outside of the home, especially as groceries get more and more expensive. Like, you know, where does the line get drawn? But it's like you take a look at something like that. You're like, man, if I was a little bit more frugal at the house, I could have had an electric bicycle or I could have had, you know, uh, a sauna for my backyard or a cold plunge or any of these things. It's like when you set the priority and a lot of times we preclude ourselves from making these larger purchases because we're like afraid to not have that wiggle room to do the things that would make us be more frugal in our day-to-day lives. And, you know, part of me wonders, it's like, what, what does that say about our priority for the things that we're willing to make like these like day-to-day sacrifices in when like the larger thing is the investment essentially in the long-term belief in the thing but i mean again that's the long-term belief in the thing versus the immediate gratification of like well if i have seven more dollars to get my iced mocha choco latte frappuccino Uh, with pumpkin uh. whatever they're serving these days uh you know and look starbucks they got some good i mean most of the drinks are essentially milkshakes with coffee in them but uh you know these are facts support your local coffee shops support your local i hate to say it but i have to agree look and that just i doesn't mean i don't go to starbucks doesn't mean that at all it just means that like i don't know when when as a society do we get to the point that like there was like i don't think there's anything anything of a status symbol to have a starbucks cup and I and I mean maybe it's more convenient with the drive-throughs or whatever, but I don't know. It's uh it's a strange thing. There was definitely a point in time where like showing up to the office with a Starbucks cup said something about you. You know, I was never in those offices, but you know, I I could I could see it. I could see it on people's faces when they would walk into a place with a Starbucks coffee and they were just like looking at everybody like I am better than all of you peons. <laughs> I think I think there was also an age where the. That was the pager. Oh, for sure. It kind of reminds me of that movie Office Space. Oh, dude. Office Space is incredible. I still, I, well, I ended up, we ended up keeping both microwaves, but um, Danny and I, we had, uh, we had, we brought a new microwave and I told him when we were doing well enough to get another microwave and get rid of the old one, we could go Office Space on the old microwave. And we never did it, but like, High key, I still want to beat the shit out of a microwave with a baseball bat. Yo, I give me the day and give me the hour. And Dude, I'm I just there. ordered. Unfortunately, it's it's not for the best of reasons. There's been a recent rise in anti-Semitism, so I ordered steel bats for personal protection in my car in my apartment. So, um, but yeah, we can use one of those. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, as, as I told my mom and my dad, I was like, look, I'm not someone who seeks out violence. But if there's somebody who's going to be a fool and attack me out of hatred 
for having done nothing wrong from them to them other than being myself, they're going to meet the wrath of a steel baseball bat, and it's going to hurt, you know. And uh, you know that's just that's just the way the news goes, you know. I I just it's d- did not think we would be here in 2023, but you know we have back to the spiritual warfare. It's like you know people aren't even looking at other people as people. I think that's the problem when we focus so much on the labeling and the identifying people rather than judging them for their individual character, then it becomes problematic because you're letting the choices, decisions, and history of like an entire subsect of people that that person has no influence over other than being born into influence your ability to see them as their own person. And it's like people get so tribal, you know, like, you know, whether it's with religion or nationalism or any number of things or the sports team you root for, it's like someone is not inherently a bad person for being anything, you know, other than being a bad person. And I feel like we don't give enough people the time of day, not us, we're, we're, you know, I think we probably give too many people too many chances sometimes, but uh, I feel like in a lot of areas of society, you know, we, we don't have a very long leash for getting to know people anymore because we live in a microwave society you know like even just the way that uh like dating and meeting people works like you know some people you're already following them on instagram before you meet them in person and you saw on their story what they did last week so if you ask them what they did last week you're like basically verifying their story you know it's like there's nothing new to be told or talked about And it's like, you know, no wonder small talk feels harder than ever. Like we've already researched people that we're meeting, which is weird. It is. It completely removes any personal boundaries that you might have enjoyed in the previous generation. And you could see how it could be so heavily influential upon a young developing mind. And that's where it really just goes in every direction. Well, because there's this immense pressure to be interesting when like you don't have to architect being interesting by virtue of what you share and how you share it. I feel like a lot of being an interesting and a nuanced uh, person is going inward and figuring out what you enjoy that other people don't or that other people who you don't associate with yet um, or often enough also enjoy or also are interested in because so many people it's like oh well what's everybody else doing you know how many times have you heard that it's like well, what do you like if nobody what if there was nobody else what if you were on like a desert island with just like a, a strip mall that like had one employee you know <laughs> one employee ran around and did everything like what would you do would you be in the coffee shop would you be at the library would you be bowling like you know, I feel like so many people are afraid to do like to go take themselves out to do something. Yeah, man. And I mean, I think in life overall, you got to take risks and dream like you got to risk it as a as a mindset, like staying inside of a box that says yes or no is a challenging experience. To it's inherently encounter. limiting. It's yeah. you've already identified parameters within which you can. I mean, how many times? In life, have you encountered a situation that went completely off the map of what you could have anticipated? And those are usually the best experiences. <laughs> and yet we we tend to think that things are so binary, you know, it, it, to the point that it often like pre- it prevents me sometimes from doing things that like 
I genuinely had a feeling of excitability about wanting to have done. And I'm like, yeah, but this could happen. Like, yeah, that could happen. So could a million other possibilities. Like, I could have beaten you at billiards tonight. I didn't, but I could have. Maybe you should have. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. We're on the wrong timeline now. <laughs> we're on the wrong timeline. I scratched Shit. one too many one too many cue balls, and now we're we're out of alignment for the evening. We We skirted it for... But as Corey noted, it's not fair competition unless we go best two out of three. So I may owe him another game. We shall. Maybe we'll take our first recess of the evening and reconvene. First recess? We didn't discuss a recess. <laughs> Damn it. I thought we got to go outside in these things. No, no, no. What, what is this, elementary school? Yeah. Isn't that funny, though? This is my favorite time. You don't think about, you know, I didn't think about it at least... The last time you ever went out for recess, like yeah, I don't know about you, but do it was you remember? A sad day. I don't. I don't remember sadness. I remember, like I remember being sad because it was the last day of school. I didn't really think about the fact that it was the last day of recess. I did. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you were on a much more existential level of thinking that day, at least in that age than I was. <laughs> but I remember we used to have you know the hall monitors. They walk you down through the school, and then you get there. And literally kids would just file out one by one and just hit the blacktop and sprint to whatever it was that they were looking forward to playing. And they would just like full out. Like it was it was beautiful. It was like they just got out of jail. Except <laughs> when you get out of jail, you have to wait for like a bus or somebody to pick you up. Like you got your things. Like oh. you're just eating lunch. You're full of energy. You're about to go back oh. to class. after. You're just sprinting. Like I know for me, we played football down in, in the backyard, football on the fields. Oh, dude, that was the best. And they had the monitors because they were watching us because they wanted to make sure we weren't hurting each other playing tackle football. And or we played tackle football, let me tell you. And I've always been a big guy, so I wasn't playing. Like the local football for us in the peewees was weight-based. And, you know, my mom, she would have hurled a curling iron at my head, but she would not have let me play with the fourth graders when I was in first grade. So I told her, I was like, I'll be fine. But, you know, that was really where I got I, I got my reps in, in the backyard football in elementary school, was because, you know, somebody was giving me a hard time. I would just be like, you know, tell the quarterback, I was like, hit me on the wheel route, hit me in the flats, let me get a little bit ahead of steam, and I'd just run run over people. And then I'd hit people with the, the LaDainian Tomlinson celebration in the end zone, and I was riding that high all week. And people... They stopped trying to tackle me after a certain point because they knew there were only so many people that could, and other people were genuinely getting hurt. That's the same reason I was banned from Red Rover. I think I'm still banned from Red Rover. <laughs> I genuinely broke someone's arm in, in second grade playing Red Rover because they were too prideful to release. You you have to let go sometimes because when Matt's coming over, there's going to be problems. <laughs> Not these days. I've, I've I've got it under wraps. This guy's full on. I'm a menace on the Red Rover field. But who is the Red Rover? Can we talk I, about I, that for a second? I think I think it's more of like an octagon type of energy. Oh yeah, that I'm bringing to Red Rover. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I'm a I'm a multidiscipline specialist when it comes to Red Rover. Could you? I would watch. I would genuinely watch this. Now that I'm thinking about it, you have all these crazy game shows. You have, like, some of the world's best athletes <laughs> playing Red Rover. Yo, that like, would go hard. That would be sick, dude. <laughs> I would watch that. Could you imagine, like, Terrell Davis and, like, Terrell Owens 
smashing just, into each other at full only speed. People, only people like... named Terrell. <laughs> what if what if that was it? It was just all all the team names were just just you gather a bunch of people. Dude, it's all, like, all all I'm seeing is Key and Peel right now. Yeah, well, but it's like have you ever seen the Facebook groups where like everybody they find other people with their same name, and it's like these are these are all these are all the Corey Putneys. Yeah. There's are all one. The I know there's one other one. Dude, there's a whole ass. Honestly, I feel like kind of. I'm in competition with the other Matthew <laughs> Marxists because, like, there's a whole ass art gallery for a famous photographer. There's a composer. You know, I'm like, I have not done my life's mission if I don't eclipse them at least in the Google superiority by the end of my life. Like, we share we share a full name, and if yeah. I if I if I have not done enough to at least like come up like in the top three, I'm like, what what are we doing here? You know, if you have a really unique name, I get it. But like, you know, I, I guess I thought my name was more unique than it was. And then I found out and I was kind of like, you know what? We're going to have to do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's sometimes you see problems and they just, you, you need to address them and tis his life, right? But there's a, a large part of me that wants to arrange for there to be a dozen Matt Marxists to go out on the town somewhere so that. You can just absolutely blow the mind of whoever's bouncing the bar that night and just hand them 12 IDs with the same name back to back to back to back to back to back. Like, I'm sure it's happened somewhere, but like, I want to be an active part of it because I feel like you're just in for a night full of shenanigans when that's how it gets started. Dodecahedron. Yeah. Star tetrahedrons in the sky. We were watching earlier. Yeah. We we're talking about this. Every constellation could technically be a dipper if you wanted it to be because the dipper is not really a complex shape and we've already identified a big and a little dipper. But like you could just start naming dippers <laughs> like this is this is Jeffrey's dipper over Yo, here. Names, bro. <laughs> <laughs> names. Yeah, we're, we're on the name tangent right now. I'm horrible with names, by the way. Yeah, I'm still an too, advocate man. for this should be a global thing, maybe even an intergalactic thing. Name tags. If you made name tags, like, I mean, people wear ties in the corporate world. Like, when did, you know, if name tags were as commonplace as wearing a necktie, you would never have that thing where you're like, I do not know what that girl in HR's name is. I'm a fan, dude. You know, it easily kind of greases the wheels and the social interaction. I mean, think about it. Like, there's. You know, there are some aspects of society where it's like you should be able to go out and people shouldn't need to know your name. But there are other aspects of it where it's like people not knowing your name dehumanizes you. Like I remember when I worked at a grocery store. I worked at Wegmans in the Northeast Corridor when I was growing up. And some people would come through the line of the grocery store and they're like not even treating you like a human being. I'm trying to have a conversation. They're just like, scan my groceries. And I'm just like, uh, well, I'm not getting paid enough to be treated like a subhuman animal, you know, on the other end of this thing. So I was like, if you really you shop for less than 15 items and go to the self-checkout, if you don't want to deal with another human being when you go out into the world, you know, right. but, but you read my name tag. And then at least if you're being inconsiderate of the fact that I'm a human being, I know you're a piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. At least give people the opportunity to show us that they're assholes. As long as there's like, you know, show that. us your assholes, people. If it's transparent, <laughs> man, you got a lot of bleach to work that thing out, but, yeah. it, but you never know. Show us your bleached butts. <laughs> oh, that's here. I'll share a fun story once. Um, so some people go to salons and get their buttholes bleached, and that's great. But if you're me, 
you make the mistake of thinking that you're reaching back for wet wipes for a period of eight weeks when your mom kept Lysol wipes on the back of the <laughs> And let me tell you, um, by about week six, there was a deep burning sensation that was oh. all too regular oh. for me that, oh, uh, no. you know, but the kicker is that I didn't – that wasn't what, what allowed me to learn that that was what was going on. It was that the plumber had to come out because you're not supposed to flush bleach wipes. <laughs> the drains were filled with bleach wipes. But, um, you know, it's one of those things like you can't see your own nose or lick your own elbow or directly see your own butthole. But I'm quite certain that during that period of my life, I had a, a very I, – I mean, <laughs> it was bleached for sure. There was enough bleach. You know, so don't do that. There are wet. Actually, get a bidet. Bidets are way better than wet wipes. Careful there, though, too. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, well, that's true. Corey had to install my bidet because I was flooding my <laughs> So I'm not a skilled plumber. I'm a skilled writer and orator, but I'm not a skilled plumber. And I have the utmost respect for people who are masters of the craft of plumbing because it's one of those things where, like, when I'm looking, if I take the lid off of my toilet. I take the top part off and I'm looking at that mechanism. It might as well be from outer space. I don't know what's going on in there. I oh, know better man. now because I've fucked it up. <laughs> you know, like you learned, you learn at a young age when you go to friend's house. I'll never forget the despair. I was at my friend Josh's house and his mother, you know, a good Jewish mother, like any Jewish mother is going to make you feel a lot of shame and anxiety if you do something to the house. So I was very worried because I, I went and used their, their main floor bathroom and the levels started rising and there was no plunger. And, you know, I had to I had to make quick decisions and, you know, fess up to the fact that I needed a plunger and then take that on firsthand. And it was, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I ended up being very proud of myself because I accomplished it and I've gotten very good at operating a plunger in this lifetime. You know, it's a it's a trusty mechanism, something that should be in every bathroom. But like, you know, nothing scarier than the first time that you're faced with the dilemma of getting that water level to stop rising and just really having to get into the filth and just figure that out because it's a, you know, it's a doozy. You ever you ever have a plumber problem? I've had a lot of plumber problems my friend yeah a lot of plumber. but what am i saying plunger, plunger plunger i think i was i i a lot of freudian slips in the last minute plum plumber is the person plunger <laughs> is the device i was not oh i was not putting a human being in the not toilet sure to, to fix the uh which to fix the clogs angle we've taken here hey we're just this is free-flowing <laughs> this is a it's an open format podcast we don't you know, accept callers though i mean i do enjoy suction cups i find them oddly satisfying yeah have you seen the videos where they like run up to people in target and they put a plunger on their head and then they run away yeah as dude i would be so mad i'd be gonna <laughs> eat it especially if it's like on the back of your head and you can't ah, reach it ah. you're reaching back struggling trying to grab it off your head yo <laughs> there's a lot of things like that you know like public i i pranks are pranks can be fun pranks can be fun i think there there's a line that you cross where a prank goes from being fun to being, you know, borderline cruel. Um, Absolutely. And I think that line is different for everybody. You know, like we, we, have you ever heard of Poop Dollar? No. All right. I'll briefly explain Poop Dollar. And I'm not proud of this, by the way. I'm just educating for the generations that don't know what this is. There was a phenomenon that took place way back in the day. 
We're talking mid-2000s here. And uh, essentially what it was was somebody would defecate and place that within a dollar and then put that in a public space and then from afar, like <laughs> down the aisle of a Walgreens, Man. you would observe somebody preparing to pick up the dollar and then you'd yell poop dollar and you'd run away and laugh. And it it never failed to get a laugh, Corey, I'll tell you. It never failed to get a laugh. <laughs> Out of out of the group, it, it was very distressing. I'm sure for the people who went to pick the dollar up, but <laughs> amongst us, we enjoyed it. Oh, it just reminds me of old school. Oh, dude, Blue, you're my boy. Will Ferrell, classic, dude. He's got the whole team on his side, bro. He's streaking, man. Dude, he's he. You know what? I always aspire to have the confidence of a solo Will Ferrell streaking through the college town, man. In old school, that's my dream. Yeah. Have you have you ever gone streaking, Corey? I have <laughs> at, at least three or four times. Oh, dude, you got me beat. I went uh, streaking once. Uh, I was with a group of friends. We were all on, well, not all of us were on ecstasy. Most of us were on ecstasy. And haven't done that yet. It was very early in the morning and just sounded like a good idea to run around the neighborhood with our clothes off. You know? <laughs> and uh, it was cold, too. It was cold. But we did it. We did, and you know what? It's one of those things where it's it was a hurdle, you know, it was a a personal hurdle that uh, I gained a lot of self confidence after doing it because I never never thought I'd be that guy. I never thought I'd be a streaker, you know. And it's it's I'm proud to have that on my you know checked off my bucket list because not only do I have to, I can say I've done it now. I don't have to do it again, and like you know, got off relatively scot free having done it because it, certainly there's there are dangers of streaking. Is public indecency is real, you know? You can, they can cite you for doing it if you get caught. So it's there's the level of risk that's inherent to engaging in such an activity. But you know, everything has risk. You know, like I could have, we could have poked each other's eyes out playing pool tonight. You know, it, it shit happens. It's all about how calibrated you are. Yeah. Have you sighted in your deer rifle this season? Are you Did ready? you have three leg beers at the bar? Are you ready for game time? <laughs> Corey, Corey did not have three leg beers. He had two leg beers. Two leg beers. Two leg beers. Christmas story leg lamp <laughs> by Carbach. Yes, that's what that's what the uh, yeah, the, 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 the nostalgia. The like. It just took me and it grabbed me, and I was like, I'm gonna have them beers. Speaking of nostalgia, whoever was playing the jukebox request at the bar tonight. They had it running. Dude, I they didn't realize it had been a while since I've been at a bar that didn't just like have a playlist running. But like when the jukebox stops and there's no music, you're just like, you hear everybody's thoughts. Well, no, you don't hear everybody's thoughts. I'm not a lunatic, I swear. Um, <laughs> you, you feel the energy in the room, right? Uh, and then, you know, somebody spends the nickel the or the, the quarter. I'm sure it's more than a nickel and they get another song going but there was a great run there was a was like fortunate was. son into bob o'reilly into what a little bit of red hot chili a little peppers. bit of red hot chili peppers there was a great run i was actually thinking to myself i was like you know what did like i mean yeah i like so I'll, I'll listen to some pop music that's on the air these days but like what a day must it have been to be around in like the 70s and 80s when like and i guess part of it is just like the new ageness of it being some of the first times that you're hearing these types of sounds recorded and like these genres explored in that way, you know, but for that to be like the pop music of the day 
It was pretty cool, you know? Yeah, dude. Like, the first time someone played Tom Sawyer on a jukebox in a bar while people are shooting pool, like, I would have dropped my, my, my pool stick and just been like, what the, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's like Marty McFly yelling at exactly. for this. Uh, yeah, and, and they, they weren't, you know? But, uh... And that's the, I mean, I was doing research the other day, you know, about, uh, about Van Gogh. Cause I, I mean, I know he's, he's one of my favorite, my favorite artists. And, you know, it's always fun to look up, you know, kind of the origin stories of people that you admire throughout history. You know, he only sold one painting in his lifetime and people think of him as like this decorated, you know, famous artist, but that's in retrospect to looking at his body of work after he's gone. And I think we kind of take for granted how many people have access to the exposure of the internet age, despite having the substance to like actually be great, you know, because great art persists and transcends a time and a space, but popular art does not necessarily, you know, like the number one song from 2002, which I don't know off the top of my head, you know, if, if I knew it. You know, it would be intrinsic. I would know it naturally. I can tell you who the most lasting artists are from that generation because they're still topics of conversation. You know, like if Britney Spears was a one-hit wonder, Free we Britney. yeah, we wouldn't be talking about her doing knife dances in her living room. You know, it wouldn't be relevant. We wouldn't be talking about her autobiography if she only made one hit song. You know, she made a bunch. She was an icon. She's a legend. And so... You know, there's a lot to be said for that. I think a lot of times, you know, especially if you're kind of a misfit in society at large, like, you know, it wasn't popular, the first wave of people to do a lot of things, you know, but you have to be willing to build a community around being confident doing it in order to do it. Like, perfect example, Frisbee golf was invented here in Austin in the 70s at Peace Park. I'm sure the first people playing Frisbee golf Got a lot of shit from a lot of people. I know this because people today still get a lot of shit for playing Frisbee golf, despite it being a lovely and fun game. But, like, you have to be able to, and like we were talking about earlier with, like, going out by yourself, you have to be unafraid of the the opinions and the perceptions of other people to have experiences that you want to have. Because if you're seeking approval to have an experience that you otherwise wouldn't be prevented from having obviously, unless you're harming other people, right? You should go have that experience because at the very least, then you'll know what that's like. But some people, it's like, oh, I've never gone to the movies alone. It's like, so there's literally a movie out there. I mean, granted, it comes on streaming. You can rent it. But like, you know, you have nothing to do. There's a movie in theaters you want to see. And you're telling yourself you can't see it because you can't wrangle up a couple buddies to go see it. Like, I don't know. That seems unfortunate to me. You know, because I'm the type of person, whether it's a restaurant or a movie or whatever it is, you know, it's like, I mean, concerts too. I mean, because that's especially like, there's some artists that like, you know, not every, you listen to a niche artist, not everybody's going to listen to them. And especially recognizing that other people who are going to go to that concert and support that artist are going to be people you would probably make friends with because they're also spending their time and energy and money to go be and see a live performance of that person. So it's like, if you try to, I'm sure you'll make friends at this show, but you're just trying to rope in your friends. So you have, you know, you don't have to deal with a little bit of getting to know some people, you know, it's, and look, it's, you know, it's not to say you got to put yourself in that situation every time, but don't, don't write it off. You know, it can be a lot of fun. How are you? 
And we're back. And we're back because Corey, <laughs> for some reason, decided that he called a timeout. You know, we're allowed to call timeouts in life sometimes, you know. Um, but it's getting past his bedtime. That's I think about I think we'll, past my bedtime. And it's important to honor your bedtime. It's it's one of those things where, you know, when you bypass it, what do, what are we really doing? You know? You're you're not being you're not being kind to yourself. We're breaking the rules. We're breaking the rules. <laughs> it's like I you remember the Jimmy Neutron movie where Sheen, he's the parents are all gone. And he's in the shower and he's singing, I pee in the shower. <laughs> and I was like, damn, you can do that? Yeah, bro. The drains are all connected. It was really epic. All the drains <laughs> go to the same place, Corey. <laughs> you can pee in the sink, too. <laughs> I don't recommend it. That's that's a degenerate thing to do. It really is, isn't it? Also, you got to be kind of tall to pee in a sink. You're pretty tall. You can pee in a sink. <laughs> I could get on my tippy toes. No, I did that once in fourth grade. You did? <laughs> yeah. And nice. my peers ostracized me for it for years. <laughs> hey, why? Why? Why they do they like? Because I was the new kid, right? I just moved in, and it was like oh. first couple of weeks of fifth grade. I had to pee so bad, dude. We come back from like a field trip. We run in. There's like three people deep on each line. I'm like, I'm not going to make it, bro. So you were sink Pisser Putney for third I was grade? Sink Pisser Putney for <laughs> sixth and seventh grade. Damn, bro. And I became a skater, bro. There you go. That's the answer. <laughs> you got to hit the streets with the polyurethane wheels <laughs> when the bullies are coming at you. Dude, that aggressive inline, too, man. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, this is it's a biological advantage of the male appendage, is <laughs> like when girls have to pee, they got to go like, very specific places like guys can kind of be creative a little bit when they have to pee like i've stayed at friends houses where they have like one bathroom and they're like in the bathroom and i'm just like all right let me hit the balcony with a bottle and just remember that i have a pee bottle on the balcony <laughs> you know like I, i'm gonna be honest you gotta you know you gotta do what you gotta do dude sometimes that gatorade bottles the the missing piece to the puzzle dude and sometimes it's the extra piece that's on there when the lid breaks off is the piece that gives you a scrape. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh, folks, we're having a real <laughs> we're one tonight. Ha- we're having a, we're having the time of our lives here. Let me tell you, it's just we're we've only we've only just begun to as live far as we belong. You know and. But that's that's the thing. It's like this is open format. We're talking about what we want to talk about. You know, there's the goal. <laughs> the goal is to share with you guys Ooh-wee. the experience that would be had. Ooh wee! <laughs> You're a towel. <laughs> that's my towel, dude. At any rate, we're clearly you can you can hear the delirium creeping into the conversation. If it wasn't evident when we started, but does that? Is that when it gets good? I, I don't know. That, tell that to, tell that to people who who are too tired and are driving right now. They're like, I swear I can make it three more hours. Just yeah, I'm 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 hitting the rumble strips every ten seconds. Yeah, no, I, dude, I've been there. That's not a fun place. It's to not be. fun. <laughs> if you know what the rumble strips feel like, you're too tired to drive. Unless you like are sending a quick tweet, you know. I'm gonna go ahead and hashtag. Matthew Mark's facts on that one, guys. Okay. Lots of wisdom nuggets behind that. If you are currently listening to this podcast while feeling the rumble strips, 
we advise you to find a rest area. It's not, they say that driving tired is the equivalent to driving drunk. And that does not mean that you can prove us all wrong by doing it. It means that you should probably utilize your facilities and stop doing it for the safety of yourself and others. Because there, a catnap is a valuable tool in anyone's arsenal. Agreed. 15 minutes is the difference between, I mean, shit, 15 minutes. Here's my go-to. You hit the nearest gas station, 15 minutes, five-hour energy, cold water splash to the face. You know, maybe you play Eye of the Tiger in the bathroom. <laughs> You're right back on the road. I'm you know? feel um, like I'm in Vegas. Hey, listen. I mean, a, long, a lot of long-haul truckers have also relied on methamphetamines over the years. I can't personally endorse that, but, um, you know, whatever floats your boat or keeps the truck going, you know, as it were. Sponsored by Corporate Meth. Just kidding. We don't have a Corporate Meth sponsorship yet. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're pursuing one. <laughs> not in pursuit at this moment. <laughs> not, not currently pursuing a Corporate Pharmaceutical Amphetamine sponsorship. Abandoned ship. Yeah. But abandoned Leonardo? sponsorship. <laughs> Sorry, that was low hanging fruit. <laughs> was like speaking of low hanging fruit, I have I have this this doctrine with friends when I when we're when we're hanging out where like sometimes he gets so like in the giggles that like you know somebody says a phrase like well, I'm gonna order like chicken fried rice. It's like your chicken fried rice. Or it's like you know like you you're like the joke is you repeat the phrase. It's like that's very low effort. You know, at least take it a step further than that. But sometimes it hits. You know, sometimes it's just right there and you just feed it right back in and it works, you know, but I, I prefer a joke that has a little bit more thought into it, you know, like for instance, billiards were free tonight. The balls were on the table. There was a very, very low effort joke there. I didn't say it right. I'll show you balls on the table, but, you know, it was there. It was there, you know, it's true. And sometimes a silly joke at the expense of nothing but saying something uncomfortable is exactly what the world needs. I you know, would agree with that. There's like I'm all for the you know like too soon. You know, people are like too soon. How are you going to joke about that? It's too soon. I'm like, Oof. listen, I made the joke. You laughed at it, right? Oof da. Oof da. That's What's that? for my Minnesota fans out there. Oh, is that what people would say when you would tell tell a poorly timed joke? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm the king of like this happened today in the news, but if I can get my mom to laugh at it, I know it's funny. You know, like she doesn't want to laugh at something that's clearly out of pocket. So if I can make a a culturally relevant joke to world tragedy, the day of. I know I, my sister and my mom will un, undoubtedly give me shit for it, but you know what? I'm not, I don't genuinely have a lack of sympathy for whatever it is I'm joking about. It's a joke. You, you know, if people can't tell that you're joking, I think that is their problem, not yours. Although I do, my, this is a, I'll give my sister Jamie credit here. At one point in time, she said to me, she's like, there should be, when you're texting, the equivalent of like italics for writing something sarcastically. <laughs> Like, how many times have you read a text message from somebody that they wrote sarcastically? And if you interpret it literally, you're like, they are fucking pissed at me. We're like, they're saying the, the context completely shifts. Yeah. So, 
But yeah, Corey Corey's over here. We're gonna have to tuck him in, folks. He's he's we're 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 approaching the point <laughs> where we're all, we're approaching the point of no return. You know, battery, ba- yeah, low yeah. battery. We got to plug Corey in. Um, see, I'm I'm charged up for whatever reason, which you know I I tend to get energy in the nighttime, and then early in the morning at some time I get energy at a lot of points in the day, and I don't argue with it. But um. But no, I think, uh, yeah, we'll we'll tie a bow on this one, and uh, and thank you all for listening, and uh, yeah, we will see you back here for another edition of the Broken Brilliance podcast with Matt and Corey, and we will discuss a myriad of other topics, and uh, share with you how things are progressing on planet Earth. Matt and Corey signing up. Signing off.